Welcome to the CLS Experience. I'm your host, Craig Siegel. I'm a born and raised New Yorker who achieved success with multiple businesses, but I crave something deeper. So I dedicated myself to personal growth and transformation by revamping my mindset. I went from being unable to run a mile to conquering four marathons the following year. Now, I want to help others manufacture big breakthroughs of their own. Imposter syndrome is funny. I think we need to remove the word syndrome because we all deal with feeling like an imposter. And so what I remind our clients to do and remind myself to do all the time is I want you to envision that you're in a tunnel and it's dark and you have a flashlight and there are people behind you in that tunnel, whether it's one person or 50 people or 20,000 people. But if you're the person in the front with the flashlight, can you take one step and make sure that the people behind you are safe? And so if you can lead one step at a time, then you have the capability to lead. On today's episode of the CLS Experience, we have a very special treat. She's a business coach, a speaker, a badass entrepreneur, just an overall awesome human being. And although she doesn't know it, she's been a silent mentor to me for quite some time. Jess Glazer. How you doing, Jess? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. And I did not know that. So thank you. And and I'll dive into that in a little bit. But um, in a nutshell, you know, there's a lot of people on social media, a lot of people that do are in the, the space, right? Yeah. And there's a lot of different voices, but the content that you put out specifically always resonated with me. Like I feel it in my soul and it's very helpful. And I want you to know I'm very grateful for that. And I appreciate everything that you do. Thank you. Thank you so much for telling me that. It, that is one of the best things that I could hear. Certainly, that is the goal, right? When I put out a piece of content is that it's going to resonate with someone and, and be helpful. So thank you. My pleasure. And, and today's episode is going to be very special because I know that your journey is very well documented. You've made your rounds. You've been on a lot of podcasts and so forth. And of course, I did my homework because preparation breeds confidence. But I obviously, I do want to touch upon your journey. But more importantly, I think for the audience, which will be most valuable, is your mindset during your journey, specifically the the ups, but also the downs, right? You don't shy away from discussing and talking about your struggles. And I really love that about you. It makes it so relatable. And the mindset to be able to overcome big obstacles at the time is really what shapes us on your way to achieving massive success. And I love that you don't shy away from that. And you let everybody know that. I don't know what you're talking about. There's been there've been no no ups or downs. It's just been straight smooth sailing. So it's just, it's just like yeah. this, right? Like an entrepreneur. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's a roller coaster ride. And um that is something that one of my first mentors back in twenty thirteen, she had actually sat with me and said, basically, you have a choice. You know, I, I came from background to being an elementary school teacher. And she said, you have a choice. You can continue on that path, which is very similar to a merry-go-round or a Ferris wheel where you're sort of just going around that same loop over and over and over. And it's really nice to have that consistency. You know, what's around every corner. You know what you're expecting. Or as an entrepreneur, you could take a ride on a roller coaster, which has really high highs and really low lows. And entrepreneurs, we live for those drops, right? And it's really exciting when your arms are up. You're like, oh my God, what's next? <laughs> And that really, really resonated with me when I made the decision to leap really fully into entrepreneurship. And I need to remind myself of that every time I come into one of those deep lulls at the bottom where things are just really hard. And what I like to do is lean into what's called the implementation dip. And this is a real thing with science and physics. And so the implementation dip is that part at the bottom of the roller coaster where you feel stuck and you're like, how am I going to get back up again? How am I going to do this? This is what happens in, you know, cough, cough, end of January, beginning of February, when everyone gets on those new year, new me diets yes. and, and workout plans. And a couple of weeks in, 
all of a sudden, I don't want to get up at six o'clock in the morning. I don't want to go do my workout. I don't feel inspired, right? It's cold out, something like that. And so that's an implementation dip. And what you need to do is remember that you started from a dead stop. The roller coaster started from a complete dead stop and you were able to get up that first hill, whether it was asking for help, it was leaning into a mentor, it was doing things that were hard that didn't feel good or making a ton of mistakes, not waiting to be perfect. And then you got to the top. So now when you hit that bottom again, you need to remember that you're actually hitting the bottom this time with a little bit of momentum from the last drop. So it's actually going to become easier to go up again. You just have to remind yourself that, you know, maybe I have to ask for help. Maybe I need to dip into my support system, whatever that might look like. Yeah. And I love the way you worded that. You know, I knew that we would manufacture magic here today because of our personalities (laughs) and whatnot. But just the way that you put that into a perspective, it's so valuable for the audience because it's true. You know, when you get yourself into a situation where you're an entrepreneur and the obviously there's no ceiling, which is the beauty of it, but there's also a tremendous amount of unpredictability and Mm -hmm. you have to prepare yourself mentally for the dips because they will come. But it's like you just said, every single time you do dip, you're a little bit stronger, a little bit more experienced and a little bit more ready for the next climb up. Yeah, absolutely. And then it gets exciting, right? It's just problem solving. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Problem solving. And it urges you to use your creativity, which begs the question, were you always super creative? Like, did you always have that entrepreneurial spirit when you were growing up? Or is this kind of, did you fall into this little bit later in life when you weren't necessarily fulfilled at your current job? Oh, gosh, I cannot believe you're asking me this right now. It's super triggering (laughs) because this is, I'm working through this story right now in my own journaling every day. This is a story I'm, I'm working through. So yes, I have always been creative. And I think that's the first time I've said that out loud. Hindsight's 2020, right? So when I look back, seven year old Jess as a gymnast, I was painting little hair clips with nail polish and selling them to my teammates where it was like 35 cents for one or four for a dollar. <laughs> yeah. great. I do not come from a family of entrepreneurs. I come from a very uh, stereotypical, you know, Northeast Jewish family of doctors and lawyers. Nice. And so entrepreneurship was not an option. I didn't know it was a thing, but I have always wanted to create and sell. And a lot of my creating and selling was always in the form of art, which my mom is an artist. So it was the hair clips and gymnastics and then pillows. I was selling pillows at a young age. I had an accessory line where I was making purses and jewelry that I was selling to friends. So I, had, I, I did always have that. And if I wasn't creating something physical like that, that I wanted to sell, then I found myself in the eight years I worked as an elementary school teacher, my side hustle. I always had a side hustle where I was creating experiences for people I was doing monthly retreats for women. I was hosting boot camps, just creating. I was always creating things. And I just never really thought of myself as number one, creative, but number two, an entrepreneur until more recently when I look back, I go, oh, I've always done this. Yeah. That's so relatable to me because I've always been, I had businesses that I built up on Wall Street and I always had kind of a clear path. And then when the pandemic happened is when I really stars align for me and it sounds a little deep but it was the first time that i had a minute to just kind of like pause and and speak to god and just really fulfill my destiny which is my passion my purpose which is to help people and help people transform and get them on fire but like you i always now looking backwards Mm -hmm. like the steve jobs quote that i know you love connecting the dots backwards it the writing was always on the wall i was always doing similar things to you in terms of creativity and entrepreneurial spirit but now that you're full in it you could really embody this version of you there's really nothing better yeah, it's so true. And it's it's nice to have that space to play where I think for so many years, it wasn't my job. It wasn't my business. It was just an outlet. Yeah. And so it felt really easy and effortless and fun. And now that it is my job, 
I think I put a lot of pressure on myself, which we all do, where it's now I have to perform, I have to create. And so I actually feel very stuck sometimes. And that's where that story keeps coming up of I'm not creative and I'm not good enough, right? Because it's like, I have to constantly produce. And so now there's a pressure there where I'm learning now, I'm remembering how to tap into just like the play and the fun. And then it just comes effortlessly. Understood. But also, because you're fulfilling your passion and your purpose and you've obviously had a ton of success so far in what you're doing mm-hmm. do you find yourself although there is pressure because you always want to innovate and keep people happy and, and so forth do you feel more of a, a state of gratitude because i know back when you were teaching although you appreciate it and you loved it you realized kind of in your soul that it wasn't really the path for you and, and i felt yeah. the same way on wall street this even though i was manufacturing wealth you come to realize that's not everything. Now that you are pursuing what you truly want to do, even though there's pressure, it's a little bit different, right? Because you're still grateful every day to be doing this. Yeah, absolutely. And I've been able to find so much gratitude in all of those past experiences as well, because I wouldn't be here with the skills and knowledge without those experiences. So even the the years as a teacher, dropping out of my doctorate program of physical therapy, going to fashion school, which was like a strange blip in the whole system, right? (laughs) I've lived many different lives and it's, up until this point, more recently, I thought of those things as failures where it was like, oh, I quit something, I dropped out, I left. And now I realize that they were huge pieces to my puzzle to get me the skills and the experience that I needed to be here today. So immense, immense gratitude for every part of the journey, all of it. I feel yeah. the same exact way. And at the times when you were going through some stuff, it might've felt like failures, like you just said, but ultimately they shaped us and brought mm-hmm. us to where we are today. When did yeah. you realize like when you were younger and you were, were going down the wrong path, so to speak, because, yeah. you know, ultimately it wouldn't be where you are today. When did you really start to realize, like, I, I know I'm destined for something a little bit bigger. I don't want to say greater because to each their own, but something a little bit different than what you were doing. When did it really start to, like, when, when you were in pain? Ooh, I think that's such a good word that you just used pain because I often will get from people, oh my gosh, how, how you're so brave. How did you just quit your job as a teacher? How did you just jump and leap and trust that the wings would grow? And that is not what happened. I was actually in so much pain that I couldn't do it anymore. Right. I was in such discomfort. And this was a theme that had come up about 10 years earlier. I went through an eating disorder and the, the moment that I finally asked for help, it was like the first time in my life I put my ego aside and said, hey, I need help. And I checked myself into an outpatient program that wow. saved my life. And at that moment, that was the first time I started to get a taste of, okay, if I ask for help, good things are on the other side and it's not a weakness. And so what had happened with teaching, I was very happy. I had a great job. I acknowledge all teachers out there, especially right now, teaching from you know Zoom and whatever you're doing, we need you. And teachers are just an incredible incredible species unto their own. But while I was a teacher, I was very unfulfilled. And the eight years I spent teaching, I also spent, you know, with these little side hustles and creating things on on the side. What happened for me was really about two years before I left teaching, I started noticing that my energy was really focused on my other things that I was building and creating. And I found myself during my prep period and my lunch period, working on my side hustle stuff. And when I started to recognize that I wasn't all in on my job as a teacher and I wasn't all in for my students energetically, that wasn't fair to them and it wasn't fair to me. And that was one of the things that really pushed me over the edge to say, I I have to change something because this isn't, it's just not fair. It's not fair. They deserve better. And and you can't wear too many hats at one time. And there's an expression I used to use, like you can't get to second base with your foot still on first. You have to make a choice. 
And ultimately, if you're still hanging on to something, you're not going to be able to, and I don't mean this selfishly, but like if you want to give all of Jess to being an entrepreneur or doing all these great things this way, you kind of have to let the other thing go and subtract, right? That's exactly what it has been. It's subtraction is success. I mean, like the more that I take off of my plate, the more impact that we make and the more income that we make, which is just a bizarre concept, I think, for a lot of us, because I've always been in the mentality of hustle and grind and more, more, more and do, do, do. And only this last year, if I'm being honest, has been like, oh, the less that I do, the more that I be, I the easier that. it gets to become yeah. um, and, and the more impact we make. So 100%. And that's what it was for me. It was a deciding just a, a pivotal moment of, you know, exactly that. Am I going to keep my foot on first base and try to stretch to second? Or am I just going to let go of first and sprint towards second and hope <laughs> that I get there okay? <laughs> I know that when you yeah. did leave the teaching, you didn't have a set plan, but yeah. you knew that you wanted something more or different, mm-hmm. so to speak. Yeah. So what was your mindset like when you realized I-, I have to let this go so I could see what else is available to me? out there like what was the mindset like that obviously must have been tough because you had a stable job and and obviously a good one but you knew that you had to make a change was it tough for you or were you basically at the point where like the pain of not pursuing this Mm -hmm. is greater than the pain of saying great question i was tormented for a while myself i was back and forth back and forth the idea of leaving my job was never really on the table that seemed ridiculous especially because i didn't have something that i was going to go do instead. I didn't have another job lined up. And it wasn't like my side hustle was creating that much wealth that I could leave. It was not, that was not the case at all. It was, you know, a couple thousand bucks here and there every month. It was nice, but it wasn't enough to leave. It was a cute side hustle. It was a cute side hustle. Like <laughs> literally, that's what it was. Like, oh, that's so cute. That's what you do. Nice. In your in your free time. Um, what had happened was, and I love to share this story, I was actually driving to work in October of 2016 got my coffee in hand, got my podcast on. And I don't remember whose podcast. I wish I did because I share the story often. The gentleman was interviewing a woman. She was a teacher and she had a side hustle of building and creating jewelry and selling it on Etsy. And he, she really wanted to leave teaching to go do the Etsy thing. And he said, okay, if you left your job for a year and you tried to make the Etsy thing work with jewelry, worst case scenario, it doesn't work out. What would you do? So she was like, I don't know. I'll just go back to teaching. I've been a teacher for a decade. I'll probably have to go to a different district but I'll get a job. And his response drove me off the road, literally drove me off the road. He said, okay, how does it feel to wake up every day and live in your worst case scenario? It's deep. It was like a dagger through my heart because I, I didn't have a plan and teaching is an incredible job and I had an amazing life. But for me at the time, it was my worst case scenario. It was like, yeah. I could go do this it was always a plan B for me. So going back to what I alluded to earlier, I went to school for physical therapy and I went to graduate school for my doctorate of physical therapy. And in undergrad, my parents had very heavily encouraged me to get a teaching degree to quote, fall back on. So teaching was always my fallback. Teaching was always my plan B. And in through some life changes, I decided to do that and take that route for those eight years. And so when I heard this woman on the podcast say this, it was like she was speaking into my soul. Yes. I, pull, I pulled the car over. I was hysterical crying. I called, I texted my husband. I said, um, I, I can't do this anymore. I cannot do this anymore. That night we talked about it. That was October of 2016. We figured out what it would look like January 1st of that year. So 2017, I told my principal I would be leaving at the end of the year. And that was my last year teaching. That's awesome. Now, to back up to what you said, how did I go into it with no plan? My plan when I decided to leave teaching was I will do 
everything and anything that I have to to make ends meet. And I will only do things that light me up and make me happy. I know what you're thinking. Can one cultivate a bulletproof mindset or do they have to be born with it? The answer is as follows. We create our own reality. Want to develop and acquire the mindset techniques to completely revamp your mind, alter your perspective, see opportunities where you want to limitations, tap into all your potential, and cultivate confidence on command? CLS Universe. I bring to you for the first time ever, once in a lifetime, the entire Moonshot Masterpiece Experience online course, jam-packed with all the tools and strategies I use to launch CLS into another stratosphere, filled with modules, worksheets, how to tangibly transform into the 2.0 version of yourself and display your gifts to the world. Very simple, go to CultivateLastingSymphony.com, tap programs, and then bang, begin your moonshot today. Let's stop acting like we're gonna live twice. Thank me later, you dig? So, I didn't leave to go do things that I didn't want to go do. But at the same time, I had to drop my ego and know that I might have to go back into a gym and be a floor trainer where I'm picking up weights again, even though I hadn't done that in like 10 years. I might have to go be a waitress or a bartender to make ends meet financially, right? I might have to go walk into a coffee shop and be a Starbucks barista, even though I think that I'm more qualified or I have a bigger purpose out there. Agreed. And yeah. Thank you. The plan was, and again, an amazing job. They give great benefits, right? But the plan was, I'm going to do what I need to do to make ends meet while making sure that all the decisions I make moving forward light me up. And it's a funny thing, right? Like there's a blurry area where you're like, well, you kind of have to do some things that you don't want to do. But at the same time, it was working for a bigger purpose and it was working towards a bigger purpose. And so that was the plan. And it was like, I'm going to figure it out as I as I go. And what I started to do... So for the people that are listening, if you want like a tactical, okay, but how? Here's <laughs> what the but how was. I had a background as a trainer. I've been a celebrity personal trainer for 17 years. So at the time, it was about, I don't know, 15 years or so that I'd been a trainer. And I was a phys ed teacher and all these different things in health and fitness. So I knew that my low-hanging fruit was going to be walking into a gym and being a trainer or working at the front desk, getting my foot in the door. So what did I do leading up to us moving into Manhattan? Because we lived in New Jersey. I decided that it wasn't fun, but it was what I was going to do. For the remainder of the school year, two, three, four, five nights a week after school, I would commute into New York City from New Jersey. I would take the train. I would do the whole thing. I would commute into the city and I would go take fitness classes at different fitness studios that I thought I would maybe want to either work at or be connected to those people. Because at the end of the day, your network is everything, right? So I just started inserting myself into the room. Was it fun? Not always. Was it easy? No. It cost a lot of money. I was exhausted. I was going into the city alone every single day after school, after working a full day. I would take the train home. It'd be like nine o'clock at night when I was getting back. $40 for a drop-in class, You know, $20 on the train. But it's what I was doing to ensure that when we did move, when I did leave my job, I would already have some sort of a presence, a network, you know, fill in the blank. So when we did move... And I started going into these gyms and these classes, people just assumed that I was already part of the industry. I already had friends in the industry. I can't tell you how many people's DMs I slid into, different tra- <laughs> like truly different trainers. Like, hey, I know you don't know me. I'm moving to the city. I am a trainer and I'd love to get a coffee if you'd be open to it. Not let me pick your brain. Just, hey, I think we're into the same thing. I'd love to meet you. Or, or I would take someone's class 
over and over and over and over, make sure I would introduce myself to that person and make sure that I was being seen in the room. And then eventually it would lead into a real relationship, right? And so I was building relationships to help me take that next step. So then when we did move and I was ready to go get a job, it was a really easy transition for me. I had a lot of different people and places saying, hey, I can help you. Hey, I can help you. I love this. And and also you knew that it wasn't going to be easy. You were prepared Mm -hmm. that you had a might possibly work all these other side jobs, but you Mm -hmm. also knew that you were so unfulfilled doing the other thing that this was all worth it. And it's something that I always say to my clients and also the audience is this, you can fail at something you hate or don't even like it life. And most people, sadly, I think you'd have to agree, are doing things in life that they don't necessarily love. They're they're not passionate about it. So with that being said, you might as well fail at something you love, or here's the kicker, maybe you'll fly. And someone so passionate like you and with your type of personality, you'll make it work because you'll plan your work and work that plan. And I love that. You also have, we have a very similar personality. I know that you're like a perfectionist type A personality. So was it- Recovering, (laughs) recovering. But to be honest with you, I think that's a trait of a lot of the greats. You know, I I embrace that. So when you were going into all these things, did you ever get dejected? Or now that you kind of left first base, which was being a teacher, you were prepared for everything that came your way on your way to where you are today? Mm Mm-hmm. Oh my God. So many lessons. You know, you said different failures. I really have learned to look at those failures as lessons and it's feedback, right? All feedback is neutral. So whether it's getting rejected, whether it's getting a bad client review, whether it's whatever it is, right? It's what is the lesson here? What can I do differently? Feedback is neutral. So is, is there something I could have done differently or better? Is there a different way I can approach this? Is this a difficult conversation I need to practice having? Um, and looking at these different things as lessons. But yeah, the last couple of years have been so many different failures, if you will, so many different rejections and so many different no's. Like there have been a lot of yeses, but there have been a lot of no's. Sure. I mean, let's also go back when I did make the, f- the pivot initially from teaching into health and fitness full time, which had been a side hustle. I was doing fitness modeling for magazines and stuff. The amount of nose, <laughs> I mean, I have more nose than anything. Sure. It, it, it was ridiculous. It was crazy. But it also, it's just part of it. It's a numbers game, right? Yeah. You're very yeah. persistent. And I don't know if anyone ever called you this, but you're also a little bit relentless. And I mean that with all due respect in the best way possible, because I've heard a lot of your stories. And also, you know, what you just said, making sure you're in front of the right people, getting in the right rooms, meeting the the right people, networking. That's kind of how you and I are speaking here today because I've been a big fan of yours and I wanted to collaborate with you for quite some time and and also learn from you because you have done this. And like I said earlier, you don't shy away from all the obstacles that you had, but they're not really failures because you learn from every single one of them. And I love that you were just trying to get in front of the right people. You were persistent, you were relentless, and you knew that you would get knowledge from each situation. You would get experience and that would shape Mm -hmm. you. Yeah. It's so interesting for the listeners out there. I get this a lot. People will say things like you pay for your friends. So I'm very publicly in different masterminds and coaching programs. And I've had coaches since really 2013. I've kind of jumped around and I'm very, very unapologetic with, yes, I pay for my friends because I I do. I pay to get into the room with the people that are like-minded or that can get me where I want to go. The people who have been where I want to go, right? They can help shorten the amount of time or minimize the amount of mistakes. They're not going to make it easy and fix it, but it's that's the beauty of having a coach. A beautiful analogy because there's a negative connotation with that. Like, oh, you pay for your friends. When you were a child, parents, a lot of times, pay for you to be a part of sporting events or sports clubs, right? My parents paid for me to be in gymnastics or karate or soccer or art class or music lessons. 
part of the reasons why they're doing that is, yeah, you can hone in on those skills and see what you like. We want to see what kids like, but it's also socializing, right? It's getting your children in the room with other people, like-minded people. Everybody likes soccer in soccer, hopefully, right? Absolutely. So nothing changes when you're an adult. I just don't know how my parents saying, hey, we want to pay to put you in summer camp or, hey, we want to pay to put you in gymnastics class. I'm choosing the class I want to go to and I'm choosing the people that I want to be around. And so even going back to initially going into those fitness studios, paying the $40 drop-in fee, that was me paying to be in the room with the people that I wanted to be surrounded by. This is awesome. You, yeah. I mean, you could see the smile on my face. We're yeah. even more, you relate to me even more than I thought. I never heard someone say that before, pay for your friends where the case may be, but it makes perfect sense. And I understand and I agree with you 100% because a lot of the like the friends that you grow up with, I, I can only speak for myself. I'm not sure about you, but as you continue to evolve and someone like you is always evolving and I think that's what drives you, sometimes you outgrow people. Yeah. Sadly, it just is what it is. But like you're trying so hard to get in the right rooms with the right people so that you can grow with those people who you who are role models to you or you can get bits and pieces from attributes that you like. And I'm the Mm -hmm. same exact way. It's again, it's one of the reasons why I wanted to speak to you. And I love that you said that. I never heard it spoken to like that, but I agree with you 100% with that philosophy. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, for the listener right now who's like, yeah, oh gosh, that's me. I feel bad leaving behind. This is often what we think. I feel bad leaving behind the friend that isn't serving me in that capacity anymore because I want to grow. I'd love you to reframe if you're listening. It's number one, you're not leaving anyone behind. Number two, let your people meet you. You know, you need to meet them where they're at. Not everybody wants to come with you. But number three, this has been huge for me. It's up to you. It's your responsibility to set the expectation and the container for the people in your life. So there are people in high school and college that are friends of mine from many, many years ago who I love and adore, and I love spending time with them. They're not the people that I'm going to go to to talk about crazy big growth ideas, and they're not the type of people that I'm going to go to to talk about landing pages and click funnels, right? <laughs> so when I go to hang out with them, it's on me. It's my responsibility to set the energetic container and boundary that I know that when I'm going to go hang out with them, it's going to be glory days and talking about the fun things we did and just being silly. And and that container is going to be for the, the three days that weekend that I'm hanging out with them. And I'm not expecting them to come speak about other things with me and then vice versa. So when I go hang out with these people in masterminds, my container and expectation is that we're going to have these really big, deep conversations about new, exciting things, but they're not the friends that are going to be able to talk to me about high school. And they're not going to be That's able to point. talk to me about the goofy thing that we did, you know? So you, it's your responsibility, the human, to say, okay, let me delineate. What is the purpose of this person? What role do they play? What actor, actress, right, are they in my movie? That's awesome. And they, they can still be there, yeah. but it's on you to go in with that expectation. Otherwise, what is the definition? Like a, an expectation that was never met as a promise that was never made, like a promise that's broken, right? So like okay. when you go in and, and you don't make it clear to yourself or to them, then you leave disappointed. That's on you. I love the way you worded that because, and that's something that I needed to hear because you're right. We're not necessarily leaving certain people behind. You just have different friends yeah. for different reasons. Some, like you said, yeah. are all about, as I like to say, sharpening the axe and thinking yeah. big and getting visions. And then some are, maybe the conversations aren't as stimulating, but that's not a bad thing. You choose yeah. when and, and who you want to collaborate yeah. with and hang out with. Yeah, I love that. Once you started getting it going with the fitness thing and you committed full time, obviously, I know it didn't go up in a straight line. There were ups and downs. But when did you really start to get some traction when you were Mm. like, I got this? It would be then, actually, when I decided to go all in. So in 2012, 2013, 2014, I was playing with 
the fitness stuff, you know, kind of as a side hustle. So it was, it had started as email check-ins. And so I was emailing clients workouts and macros and they would email me back. And then it went into paid Facebook groups. So I had people being in Facebook groups. Then I did eBooks. I was doing challenges and all that type of stuff was like really 2012 to 2013, 14. In 2015, 16, 17, I shifted and was focused on more women's empowerment. And I was running these, these Facebook group challenges that then turned into monthly in-person meetups and then international retreats. And again, all still side hustle in 2018. So I had taken a break with my coaching, with business coaching from 2013 to 2018. So a five-year gap where I was trying it by myself and I was just trying all different things, throwing spaghetti at the wall. In 20, <laughs> yeah, truly. In 2018, <laughs> I hired uh, my first next business coach. And that's when I had quit teaching and I just went all in. That moment was, it went from a cute side hustle from a couple thousand bucks here and there to a very fast six figure. And then it kept growing six figure business from, from that point on when I went all in. Okay. And also, so just for the audience right now, you don't just help coach people that are in the fitness. You do all industries. Is that correct? Yeah. Every industry. It started in health and fitness just because that was my, my background and that's how people knew me. But yeah, we help everybody. Awesome. Yeah. So it started to take off. You went all in. Obviously there were ups and downs. And then what was the biggest lesson that you got from your first coach when you were like, I need to put my ego aside and get some help from someone that has experience with this? Like, What was the biggest lesson that you learned? Like, I needed to do that. I need to to put my ego aside and ask for help. The biggest lesson from that particular experience probably would have been just taking messy action. I love when you say that. Yeah. You know, it was a four-month program that I was in and I was holding on to our homework, if you will, from month one, all the way until month four, like we were graduating the program, and I still hadn't made decisions. And I still wasn't taking action. um, Not in the way that I could have been. And so learning and watching the people around me who were taking really fast, messy action. And then also knowing I had done that for years, I had been taking fast, messy action by myself for years, I didn't know what I was doing. I was blogging. I mean, I was doing all the things. So when I committed to just after that coach, when I signed on to the next coaching program, I committed to myself and my husband. I said, that's it. I'm, that is, I am going, I am doing, I don't care what it looks like. I don't care how much I make, you know, mistakes or what it looks like to other people. That's when everything shifted. I mean, oh my gosh, it was just like fire, like spitball. I would just put stuff out. I was putting it out faster than I could like even take the feedback. Um, making mistakes, putting out programs, working with clients, making tweaks, making it better, hiring people, firing people. I mean, it was just like chaos. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. I-, I love that from your entire journey, you always, in essence, showed up. Uh, and a lot of it was messy, but you threw, as you like to say, a lot of spaghetti at the wall. You've tried it yeah. all, it seems like. Yeah. You've, you can honestly say that you've left no stone unturned and that's very special. And for the audience, I think that's such an important, valuable lesson because a lot of people have big dreams, big ideas, and they're going through the motions right now. And listen, you have to find what you absolutely love and you have to take a shot. Mm-hmm. If the pandemic taught us anything, it's just how unpredictable life is. And, and not yeah. to sound like too deep, but life, tomorrow's not guaranteed. You see yeah. what Jess is doing. Well, she took so many different shots and it wasn't always pretty. In fact, a lot of the times it wasn't. But you learn, you, you develop grit, you develop perseverance, you get all these traits. And most importantly, you find out what doesn't work. And, and you will eventually find success if you ask for help and you continue to dabble. And, and you have to take a shot. You can't lose yeah. what you don't have. 
Yeah, it's so true. And I'm so grateful for all the really terrible looking things that I have created. You know, it's, it's, it's how I've gotten here. And I love, I love sharing all of that. I love sharing those stories. I love sharing the old logos and pictures and, you know, courses that I put out that barely filled or launches that flopped because I think it's really important for people to see as well. And I've recently started talking about it more and more because I have been doing a lot of podcasts and we have an incredible program and we have a team of 11 and it's amazing and it looks really beautiful and shiny on the outside and it's really sexy on Instagram, right? Right, right, and, right. <laughs> and that, but that's not how it, that's not the truth. And I try to be really open about it. And yeah, it's been a, you know, eight year overnight success. <laughs> and I, I love sharing all those different things that I have tried. And something I think is important for the listeners is if you're trying something and it's not working, I think a big question is, okay, is that a good point to pivot? My personal belief, it's not right or wrong. This is the way that I do it. And this is the way that I like to teach it. My personal belief is that you really should, and I say should in quotes, cause I hate that word. You should stick around in the thing that you're creating and tweak it and try it again and sort of master what does work before you pivot. So if you try something, let's say you launch a program and no one signs up. I don't believe that that is a good indicator that you should go then try something different. I think it's a good indicator that you haven't figured it out yet and stick around, try it again, make more mistakes on that program because we both know it's not going to be the last program. Sure. Like if you're, if you're an entrepreneur, you're going to constantly be creating things. So stick around, figure out what's not working, make it work and then take the blueprint of how it worked into the next thing that you decide to pivot into. Sure. And that's so important that you said that because pivot is a very trendy word these days. Mm-hmm. And I think people now want to accelerate pivoting. Like if something yeah. doesn't work, okay, it's time to pivot. But you're absolutely yeah. right. Sometimes you need to just dig deep and, and strategize. Okay, it didn't yeah. work because of this. What can I do a little bit better? And I teach this in my program, the Moonshot Masterpiece Experience. One of the things that, that I teach later on in the program is when you really have a big moonshot, a big dream, something you want to accomplish, sometimes the best thing to do, what worked for me is, and it's how I launched CLS is figure out exactly what it is you want to accomplish like the little kid in you, like I, I want to do this, this and that. And then from a different perspective, you come in with the critic and you shred yourself to smithereens. All right, yeah. well, Jess, Craig, it's not going to work because of this. You're an imposter. You're not, you know, who, what's your testimonial? Who's going to believe you? And then you come in with a third perspective and it's the realist. And it basically says, okay, well, you wanted to do this, but it wouldn't work because of this. Here's how it can work. And then you kind of work backwards and you're able to really set together a strategy to conquer a moonshot like that. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, yeah. It, it's important to work backwards and and also see exactly what it is that you want to accomplish. You're very organized, I could tell. <laughs> I try. <laughs> very strategic. Yeah, I try. I have that definitely that masculine kind of default in my in my brain. I like to do all the strategy and and whatnot. Although I'm trying to play more in the feminine of the creative <laughs> flow. I'm very selective and strict when using any types of products. Period. However, the CLS experience is all about elevating your state and getting the mind right as it is our biggest asset in life. Something I've incorporated into my life is CBD, specifically sweat CBD. Just like this podcast, Sweat CBD is all about enhancing your state, designed to optimize your physical and mental well-being. I personally love their products, specifically the oil and the gummies. I've tried a few different CBD brands and products, and to me, this is the most natural feeling. I love their products and what the brand stands for. The founder of Sweat CBD is a dear friend of mine, and she's offering the entire audience, all the listeners, CLS family and universe, a special promo code. Enter CLSCBD at SweatCBD.com. Enjoy. I love you all. 
this is exactly why I like to surround myself with juggernauts like you. <laughs> is it safe to say that although right now speaking to you in the audience, they could hear that you had this down to a science, mm-hmm. it took some time. It took yeah. some maybe, I don't want to say mess ups, but to get to where you are now, it wasn't, you had to kind of figure this out. Oh my gosh. When I look at, so we're currently in our 11th round of Empower University, which for the record is a business coaching program. I left health and fitness two years ago and went all in on business. Our, we're in our 11th round. We started in Power University in November of 2018. So just over two years ago. When I look at the first cohort that went through compared to what the cohort now is going through, it's not even the same program. Like you can't even compare the two. We have a hundred page hard copy workbook that every student gets now. We have branded post-it notes. We have a team of 11. It used to just be me. I have an in-house lawyer. We have an in-house accountant. We have an in-house mindset coach. I mean, it is completely different. I look back and I'm like, wow, we didn't even used to send like client surveys out. Now we have, you know, surveys that go out for different weeks. We take attendance on every call. We send birthday cards to everybody. I mean, it's just like a completely different program. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that you've grown and, you know, done extremely well. How hard is it for you to delegate? (laughs) Um, (laughs) I laugh because it's something that I'm working on. Likewise. Um, It has gotten significantly easier. I actually am starting to really enjoy delegating and I'm realizing, you know, for the most part, whenever I delegate whoever I'm giving the task to, they do a better job than me at that particular task. And that's actually really empowering. And so learning to, it's not that I'm not doing anymore. I'm doing differently. And when I've started to change that in my mind, it's made more sense to me. So when I delegate, I used to feel like now I'm just passing off a task that I think I could do better than you, right? Or I have to, <laughs> it has to be, it has to be me because we have to grind. Now I delegate and it's like, okay, how can I empower this person to be the most excited, aligned and inspired to do the thing that they're really good at and usually better at me, better than me, right? That's why I hire them for that particular role. My, I still have a job. My job, the doing is empowering them. It's making sure that they feel supported, that they feel aligned and that they understand the vision, the greater vision as a leader. My number one task as a leader is to make sure that everyone sees the vision and that I stay true to the vision and that I make sure that I communicate that vision with my team over and over and over, right? And that we stay true to our core values. And so I do have a job. My job is, is reminding them of that all the time and making sure that we're staying aligned to where I want us to go, or I think that we're going, it's constantly changing. Sure. Um, but delegating certainly has gotten easier because now it's actually, it's like magic. I ask if someone can do something, it gets done. And I'm like, whoa, that's crazy. <laughs> I, I, yeah. love, I love that you take the responsibility to be a leader for your yeah. whole team and whatnot. And, and I yeah. do as well. Do you, is it a case by case with the different team members? Is it tough love? Is it hold their hand or is it people respond to, to different types of leadership? Yeah. Everybody responds differently. And it's really understanding who is on the team. And we've done everything from we've sent out the entrepreneurial archetype quiz, human design quiz, Enneagram quiz. It's really understanding what gets them excited because it is different for everybody. What's motivating for them. We have team members that are motivated by money. We have team members that are motivated by affirmation, right? And so understanding each of those things individually, it's really important to know that. And it's important that we all know that so we can speak to each other in a really healthy, communicative way. Um, it's their relationships, their real relationships. So if yeah. need be, will you give someone a nice shredding? <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, not a shredding, but I am definitely a tough love teacher, even inside of our programs. Like I do not hold hands. Understood. Yeah. yeah. Whatever works, right? Whatever brings yeah. out the best in somebody. Mm-hmm. 
Yep. Trust with all the struggles and the obstacles that you've overcome in your life, some personal, some business, some just feeling unfulfilled. What is some like how what is the mindset that's required to kind of just own your story and not be owned by it, so to speak? And what does it take to really dust yourself off, keep getting back up and not lose sight of the the end game, so to speak? Yeah. My friends and I, we all have a joke when something like that comes up. We just say journal on it, right? Like that's our answer for everything. When something comes up, journal on it. And if you're not into journaling yet or, or meditation, I highly encourage you to try. And if you think that it doesn't work for you or that you're not good at it, I would release that story and just keep practicing. Because if you're someone who's saying it doesn't work for me, then with all due respect, I believe that you should be doing more of it. Yeah. Um, but to your point, all of those things, yeah, it really is. It's your story, you know, making the shift for it, it's not happening to me. It's happening for me. And a lot of this is very cliche, but it's really true. It's a lot of things have happened in my life, right? Like all of us, we all have these stories sure. and they've happened for me. And what is the lesson and who did I, who did I meet and what coincidentally happened um, for me? And where did it leave me for what reason? And now it's the same thing too. Like if I'm triggered by something, if I get into an argument with someone, if I don't feel supported, it's really looking internally and saying, what's coming up for me? And what do I need to look at? What is the lesson? How can I react differently? Um, why does this make me feel a certain way? I believe that we're all just mirrors for each other. So if something is triggering you, it's usually a, a pretty good indicator to say, hey, take a step back and ask yourself like, maybe have I been doing that? Or yeah. is that something that I, I project out? And so I'm going to go back to like journal on it, half joking, but half not, where it's like, <laughs> you know, ask yourself, what, sure. what, what, is, what is that for? You know, what is that for? Yeah. But this version of Jess, Jess 2.0, right? Who's been through yeah. it all and you have all this experience. Now it's a little bit easier when you get triggered because you know routes to take to kind of help yourself, mindset hacks and whatnot. When yeah. you were at, I don't want to say rock bottom, but when you were at some of your lows, did you ever feel like giving up? Giving up, yes, but let me clarify, not giving up necessarily, <clears throat> excuse me, on my life, giving up more so like on the dream where it was like, That's all right, what I mean. just, yeah, like just stay here. It's easy. It's comfortable. You have a good job. You got great benefits, right? It was summer's off. It definitely felt easier. And to be honest, one of the reasons why that was very unappealing to me or very scary for me was that was the easy path. And I felt like my husband and I have talked about this. I can say this on air. It's fine. But we felt very much like if we just stay in the house that we live in in Jersey and we just have a child because we're the only ones that don't have kids with all of our friends, right? Like if we just have a baby and we stay in the house and I just stay in my job, like it's very easy. This is like the very planned out easy life. And that to me was more terrifying than anything else because I knew that if we did that, then I probably wouldn't go and try the other stuff. Yeah. And I would be a great mom and he would be a great dad and it would be really fun. And we'd have a six-year-old right now, you know, like, which is crazy, but it just, that was actually scarier because it felt like if we don't give it a shot now that we're not going to, and life is going to take over and it's going to be written for us. And, um, that, yeah, that did not feel for the control freak in me that having someone else write my life did not feel understood. good. And yeah. I think that's so valuable and so important. And you know what? It took me a little bit later to figure that out too. And, do you ever feel guilty? Because sometimes I do. Maybe I shouldn't for saying that 2020 has been 
one of the best years of my life because it's been so eye-opening and really helped me with stuff. And I'll be straight up with you. If it wasn't for that kind of timeout from my business, I probably wouldn't be here speaking to you and launch CLS and, and sold out programs and, and helping people, most importantly, making an impact. Yeah. But you know, I needed that moment to kind of think just what you just said. Like the only thing more terrifying than taking a shot at this is going down the path I was going, which was yeah. easy, but it also left a hole like in my stomach. I, I couldn't necessarily explain it, but I was unfulfilled. And that's why I used running as an outlet, which ultimately led to CLS. But the only thing more terrifying than to anybody that's listening than to taking a shot at life is going out of the six months or God forbid on the six years, waking up every single day, going through the motions and not really finding your passion and purpose. Yeah. I love that you brought this up. We just got off a coaching call right before this and we were talking exactly about this because we had a couple clients say the same thing. I almost feel bad for saying 2020 was a great year. And I and and I challenge you if that's you right now that feeling feeling bad, shame, guilt, whatever that is, really looking into that um and asking yourself some deeper questions because I too believe for us, 2020 has been one of the biggest gifts. It's been an incredible year for my relationships, for my life, for my business. It's been an incredible year for many, many, many of the people around me. I also know the pain and struggle that people have been going through too. So I'm not blind to it, but I do believe that this is also kind of a collective conscious awakening. And I don't know how deep you go on your podcasts, but you know, Basically, I believe that we were, we, the collective have been on this, um, crazy rat race hamster wheel of cruise control. And the economy has been on a consistent uprise. People's jobs, work, all of it, the flow, right? I was in New York City. I mean, the grind is real. If you're not going 180 miles an hour at all times, you're going to get run over. Right. And, um, I think all, all around the country, you know, all around the world, it was this just, autopilot, like you said, Groundhog's Day of grinding every day to get more, to do more, to be more, to make more, to buy more, um, just more and more, more. We're in a, we have consumptionitis. I really do believe we do, whether it's consumption in content or consumption in material items. We like to consume things. We're in a consumer market. That's how it's driven. And I believe that this has been a really beautiful pause for a lot of people. And I hear the person eye rolling right now. I can hear your eye roll because I also... <laughs> was working more than ever at the beginning of COVID, you know, pandemic, April, May, June, I was working like 90 hour weeks, hundred hour weeks. And people were like, what new hobby are you picking up? I'm starting to paint. I'm taking French lessons on the computer. And Netflix. I'm like, I don't have time for yeah. anything. So I hear you, but also I challenge you then if you didn't have a physical pause in your day, because now you're home with your kids and schooling them on zoom. And it's like more work than you've ever had to do while you're working full time. What's the actual pause in the mindset? Can you, can you go back and ask yourself, like, because I know for a lot of people, this has come up. Hello, I'm living in an RV now. My husband and I left Manhattan and moved into an RV to travel the country full time. <laughs> like, that's crazy. We would, we would have never even considered something like that before this because a lot of the questions were coming up of what are we doing? Why are we working so hard? What are we working towards? Why are we running towards the next thing? What is the next thing? What is our, like, just all of it, right? Like, what sure. is the meaning of all of this? And so, if you haven't had a pause in your actual day or schedule because it's crazier than ever, can you sit and ask yourself just some deeper questions of what is it all for? What lights me up? What feels, what gets me excited? Why am I here? What do I really want to be working for somebody else? Has it been nice being home? You know, like it's okay without fear or judgment, ask yourself those, those questions. You speak in my language, Jess. And yeah. it's one of the things I love about you for the person that right now, 
maybe they're having a tough time from the pandemic in regards to their current job, or maybe like you said, it was an opportunity to pause, but they know that they're passionate about something else, but they're gun shy, so to speak, to Mm -hmm. take a leap or try it out. What would you suggest to them? Because you're a prime example of someone who left something, a safety net, so to speak, behind to take a shot with no guarantee of success. Yeah. I think there's an element of play that we, especially as adults, we forget about. And so I would encourage you to just play. So can you just for fun, without it being a business venture, can you play with that area more? If it's painting, if it's, you know, helping people, if it's teaching, whatever it is, if it's carving wood, can you just bring that into your life a little bit more? Can you add it in? Right. And just at that point, it's funny, right? We add to subtract. This is what I used to teach with food too. Like I'm not one to do diets and subtract food, but rather add more of the quote unquote good. If you just add more nutrient dense food to your plate, you have less room for the nutrient less food. Understood. Very simple, right? Earlier in the podcast, we were talking about subtracting though. We were like, take things off your plate. Don't do as, (laughs) don't do as much. So it's counterintuitive, but can you add more of that in? And maybe it's less Netflixing or less scrolling on your phone because you don't have time for that because now you're adding in more of the good. And how does it feel? Does it light you up? Is it exciting? Are other people asking you about it? Can you also follow people that inspire you? Can you clean up who you're following on social media, what you're consuming on TV, what you're watching, what books you're reading? Can you add in reading? Can you add in podcasts? around the particular thing that you think you're interested in and just kind of play with it and see what it feels like to have more of it in your life before you make a decision to just leave your job to go do something completely new. Right. And and one of the biggest things that you help people, clients with and teach is being prosperous and having success through impact, correct? Yes. Can you tell us exactly what you mean by that? Yeah. So for us, I mean, our mission really is to cause a ripple effect and inspire change for generations to come through making a massive impact. And then what this is, is beyond your singular action, right? So beyond the one thing that you do, the impact is actually a ripple effect. And what you do or what you learn or what you teach then gets taught to other people around you. And even if that's just your energy, you're not even teaching it, but the way that you show up in the world. And so when I did leave teaching uh, specifically in education, one of my biggest things is education. I believe that we all deserve a right to education. I believe we all deserve a right to learn because this is how we collectively grow is simply by learning something new. And when we learn, we feel inspired. How many times have you learned something and you're like, oh God, I can't wait to go tell someone about that. Right. Even if it's like, you learn about a movie you like, you want to go tell people about it. You're like, oh, so excited to go tell people. Absolutely. So I believe we all deserve that right. And unfortunately, that is not the situation for everyone across the globe. Not everyone has a chance at education. So when I left my job as a teacher, I committed to myself, to my business moving forward, and to my husband that I would always stay involved in education in some capacity. And then as the universe would have it, it sort of just dropped it into my lap. Uh, Pencils of Promise, which is an incredible foundation. We have linked up with them and we do as Tom's does. So we give education for one year for one student overseas for every one student that comes through any one of our programs. So we do a one for one with education and we're just huge, huge, huge proponents in impact. And I believe that the more impact that you make, the more income that you make. And I am unapologetic about wanting to make a lot of money because we do good things with our money and it gives us opportunity and it gives us, yeah, it just gives us opportunity that we wouldn't normally have. And I have no problem stating that I, I really don't and i love that you said that i find that so relatable as well because maybe saying that is frowned upon for the yeah. masses but why should it be yeah you know we are so focused for so many years i think since the 80s on our physical health and then more recently on our mental health which thank goodness that has been like 
top of conversation, right? So we've nailed down physical health. We're really leaning into mental health. Why is it still taboo to talk about our financial health? Yeah. It's a, it's a real thing. Your relationship with money, your old past stories around money, how you were brought up around money. Money is energy. That's all it is. It's energy. And it's really important that we understand how to use it effectively, how to, how to save it, how to make it, how to invest it. Like we need to talk about this more. It shouldn't be taboo. I agree with you 100%. And yeah. like I said earlier, you happen to be one of my silent mentors, although you didn't realize it. And for me, that's a big deal because everyone always asks me like, Craig, who are your mentors? Who are your coaches? And I haven't had that many, but what I am a student of is life. And yeah. when I got to Wall Street after college, I didn't have a tremendous amount of confidence. It was more of an introvert. It's not the Craig that you're speaking to today. And that's when I started studying NLP and understanding how to mm. revamp my mindset, modeling, anchoring different sets of tools and a technology, so to speak, so that I can build upon my perspective. Because as you know, and I think you've studied this before, when you alter your map of the world and what you see possible for yourself, everything changes for you. So for me, like when people ask me, you know, who are some of your mentors, a lot of it has to do with life. Like the world is my oyster. Like you said earlier, a good movie I get an idea from or a book or a podcast. And speaking of journaling, my dining room table is full of six different journals, different color for each one. Everyone's always asking me like, what are they all for? Some are for LP, some are from Kabbalah that, that I found interesting. Some is the law of attraction, the secret, and others are just like notes from different books or movies. So you don't have to go back and read the whole thing and have your pinpoints yeah. out. Who are some of the people that helped shape you? Who inspires you? Ooh, good question. Ooh, I'm a huge don't be reader. Shy. I believe that uh, leaders are readers and I was never a reader before. So for those listening that are like, I hate reading. That was me. I mean, I never read a book in school. I was really good at spark notes, cliff notes. If you remember those <laughs> <That's great. laughs> um, pre pre internet days, right? Spark notes, little like yellow and black. Yellow book, yep. the note. Yeah. The little yellow book. <laughs> I got into reading post college when I was working through my eating disorder and there were some personal development books thrown my way. I think a lot of them were like the gateway books of, personal development, which is totally fine for you to start somewhere. And are only more recently in the past, you know, five years or 10 years, eh, five years got really into things like NLP, rewiring your brain, Dr. Joe Dispenza, you know, grew up loving Tony Robbins and Oprah. And that's just what my mom was watching on TV, subliminal messaging. And in gymnastics, we used to do visualize all the time. So things that I was doing at a young age, I didn't realize necessarily what they were, but they were practices of mine. And so it wasn't totally a different language when I started to get into it. In terms of mentors, um, definitely down a Joe Dispenza, Dr. Joe Dispenza rabbit hole the past couple of years, um, reading right now his Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself, uh, which I have read previously, but I like to reread books sometimes. Likewise. I also have a book. Yeah, I have a book club. So we're reading that together as a book club, That's which awesome. I'd love to offer to your audience if they're interested. They can totally join. It's it's broken up. It's really simple. So I actually share three books that I read every single month. It's all broken into categories, you know, marketing, sales, mindset, health, all different things. Um, constantly updating it, changing it, and then we do a, a book of the month that we're reading together. So that's we can we can drop that over at you know it's justglazer.com slash the reading vault, um, and I teach you how to speed read in there too, which is pretty. cool. I was going to say that's a lot of reading. Do you do audio book or physical copy? I am a book girl. I I really really struggle with audio, so. I can listen to podcasts all day because I feel they're conversational and I feel like I'm in the room and part of it. Right. Audiobooks go in one ear and out the other. I really struggle listening. I'm constantly thinking of other things while audiobooks are on. So I'm definitely a, a book girl. I like books. I love, yeah. the, I love the smell For of a sure. good book. 
Yeah. Well, when we came into this new RV life about a month ago, I bought a Kindle, which is the first time I've ever purchased. Like, I don't have a Kindle. I'm a very much a book girl, but it's difficult in the RV. And actually, it's right here and I still haven't used it. I haven't logged onto it. I'm still, I brought about 20 books with me that I wanted to finish that I'll leave at different campsites along the way as <laughs> gifts for other people. Um, but I'll transition, I think, over to the Kindle for a while. But wow, going back to your question, mentors. And, and also, you don't shy away from having coaches and mentors to this day. Yeah. No, I don't. know. definitely not. So really prevalent in my life have been Chris and Lori Harder, who some might know them, some might not. I watched them transition from you know network marketing and fitness and health to personal development, mindset, events, retreats, um, and business coaching. And so... For about six and a half years, I've I've really been like a, a mentor, a mentee of theirs. At first, they didn't know it. Years later, I was paying Just for like it. Just like you to me. Yeah, I've been in... Uh, I'm in Chris's Elite Mastermind. I was in previous programs that they have as well. They've been really pivotal. Um, at the very beginning of my journey, Lewis House was, was a really big one. Um, Amanda Bucci made that transition from fitness to business. I've worked with her. She was really pivotal for me. Like I said, Tony Robbins, some of the bigger names, uh, James Wedmore, uh, the mindset stuff, Joe Dispenza. Like there's, there's just so many. And then the classics, right? Like Secrets of a Millionaire Mind, sure. T. Harv Eker. Yeah. Like I read that book every year on New Year's. Uh, we do that every single year. Uh, I didn't like. know this about you, but I love that you're so big into, like, like I said, as I call it, sharpening the axe, always just getting yeah. yourself excited and, and inspired and motivated. And that's so important because, and I always say inspiration, motivation is great, but let's be honest, it's <laughs> yeah. temporary. It is. Yeah. You could listen to a good song, watch a good movie, go for a workout, and then a day later you could be in a funk. But when you yep. revamp your mindset, you kind of alter your DNA, so to speak, and yeah. and then you change like your with your compass, where you're going, what you see yeah. possible for yourself. And I notice that you've done that quite often. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's an evolution, right? When you can lean into that and not again judge yourself, but be excited about it. When I look at you said just 2.0. This is like, you know, just 36. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, truly, I'm 36 years old. It's like, it's 36 just 36. years young, Jess. Yeah. Thank you. When I look at the different Jesses over the years, I, I get excited about how much I've grown and the stuff that I've learned. And it's exciting to me to see what I used to talk about or care about and now what I talk about rather than beat myself up for it. Um, just even in my coaching style and going back to, like I said, Empower University two years ago, not only is the content and the customer experience different. I am different. Sure. What I teach is different. I mean, this group that we have right now, they're the most conscious group that we've had come through yet. Like they're all about it. They're, they want the juice. They're like, give me the collective conscious. Talk about feminine and masculine. Talk about energy systems. They want to know about like the universe. They're so excited about that. Two years ago, it was like super, be- like just tactical, just business strategy. And now it's, it's much more of both because but, but that's I am not much a coincidence. more of both. Right, exactly. It, That's it, my evolution. Right. Because of who you've evolved into, just 2.0, mm-hmm. just 36.0, whatever the case may yeah. be, that version of you that exists now in the universe, you're attracting different clients. Absolutely. And, and but different I'm also things. putting out different content. That's right? true. Yeah. So, and, and I think that's beautiful too. When I look back, even like I said on Instagram or Facebook or whatever it is, you scroll back and it's, it's very cool to see the evolution. Um, and it's exciting to know that it's also going to take a, a pivot in the future soon. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that I really wanted to ask you, Jess, is a lot of people always ask me, and 
maybe I'm not the best example of this, and I say this as humbly as I possibly can, but when I did launch my first two programs, I was very fortunate enough and, and very humble and grateful that clients knocked on my, they were ready to go, they were ready to rock. But f- for the most part, I know that most people start an online business or really any type of business, you it's difficult to get clients in the beginning. You kind of have to build up some credibility and so forth, and a lot of people fail. A lot of people deal with imposter syndrome. Mm. So- you said that you've had a couple of failed launches and, and possibly rebranded. So what do you say to someone that asks you about how do you overcome imposter syndrome or the thought that like, who are you? Yeah. Imposter syndrome is funny. I think we need to remove the word syndrome because that makes it sound, well, first of all, just like something's wrong with you. But secondly, we all, we all deal with it. We all have imposter I don't think it needs a syndrome, right? We just like, we all deal with feeling like an imposter. And so what I remind our clients to do and remind myself to do all the time is I want you to envision that you're in a tunnel and it's dark and you have flashlight and there are people behind you in that tunnel, whether it's one person or 50 people or 20,000 people. But if you're the person in the front with the flashlight, people are trusting that you're going to be able to help them. Now they don't expect you to know where the end of the tunnel is, nor do you have to see the end of the tunnel. The only thing that you need to see when you're in the front with a flashlight is literally one step in front of you. You have to be able to shine the flashlight down at your foot, make sure that you're not stepping in a puddle or into some sort of danger. And similar to the quote earlier, right? You just have to trust that you can't connect the dots looking forwards. You can only connect them looking backwards and you have to trust that they'll appear. And that's by Steve Jobs, right? So with that flashlight, can you take one step and make sure that the people behind you are safe? And so if you can lead one step at a time, then you have the the capability to lead. And that's all a leader is. You don't need to be at the end of the tunnel. In fact, if you were at the end of the tunnel... And you were just yelling to the inside, keep going, come to the left, keep going. That would be really scary and really, really difficult for sure. the people inside the tunnel. But if you're one step ahead of somebody, that's all you have to be to guide them and lead them. And this goes back to your point, acknowledge yourself for this. I'm going to acknowledge you. You had a successful launch for a reason. And there are so many different reasons, right? But Thank one you. of the reasons is because you've been playing the come with me game, not the look at me game. And there's two different things here. So when you're building a presence on social media and you have the flashlight, you're saying, come with me. I got you. We're going to try to go to the left. Oops, we're going to go to the right. Oh my God, we stepped in a puddle. I'm really sorry, but you know what? We can keep going. Our sneaker is going to dry out. Come with me. Come with me. We're going to get out. We're going to get out versus like, look at me. I'm at the end. Check it out. You'll get here one day. Good luck. You know, right? So when you say, come with me and you're saying, I made a mistake. I'm pivoting. I'm learning. Hey, this is what I learned. Maybe you should look out for this too. It's so much easier. It's so much more relatable. It's the person who's on a weight loss journey versus the person with a 12 pack that's like, well, I lost 100 pounds 10 years ago. You're like, (laughs) okay, great, great. I'm happy for you, right? But when you're with the person who recently lost 20 and who's looking to lose 10 more, but they've hit a plateau and they're and they're like, come with me, I'm going to help you through your plateau. You have a different type of trust and relatability with that person because you're like, okay, they get it. They don't have a 12 pack yet. I'm going with them. Like, I'm going to do this with them. And so when you're talking about imposter and the fear of not being enough, nobody wants you to be all the way at the end. I want you to be with me. Walk with me. Just take me one. I just want you one step ahead of me. That's it. This is unbelievable stuff. For the audience that can't say, you'd have to surgically remove the smile from my face. Because (laughs) hearing what Jess is talking about is not only so relatable, but most importantly, so valuable for the audience. And for anyone that is out there that's trying to lead or or do something of this nature that we're discussing, you, we're all on the same team. You're, you're trying yeah. to help people 
together. And I see so many people, and it's why I made a conscious effort to not be that guy with the Rolex and the Lamborghini with the 12-pack, you know, to be humble, to be relatable, to be approachable. And that's how I find you. And of all the people out there, that's what connected me with you. So you're doing that yourself, and I really appreciate that. Thank you. I received that. Thank you. As I sit here in my pajamas, I'm like, oh, right, we have a podcast. (laughs) That does look super comfortable, though. (laughs) Yeah, thank you. I know what you're thinking. You're asking yourself, how's this guy's hair on such fire? How is it so nice and thick? I want to tell you about the hottest hair styling product line. The brand is called Ryan Scott. I've been using this styling cream and shampoo and conditioner for about a year now, and I can tell you it's absolutely on fire. There's a few things that set it apart from the competition. Number one, the smell is amazing. It's a fresh fragrance of aloe, cucumber, and grapefruit. When I'm working out or on a run, the product doesn't irritate me. In fact, it's invigorating. These products can take you from the bench to the boardroom. Ryan Scott, the founder, is a dear friend of mine, and we're offering exclusively the CLS Universe a special promo. Enter code CLS. Thank me later. You've evolved so much in your journey. You're it's safe to say you're crushing it now. You're doing your thing. Yeah. You found out a lot of stuff that doesn't work, and now you know what does work. But the yeah. best part about you, and I think I can relate to this, I don't think, I know, is that you don't have, who knows what the future holds. You kind of go with your intuition and your alignment. And there's such exciting stuff to come for you and, and for the audience. What is the future right now for Jess Glazer? Ooh. So every year I have a word on my wrist. Uh, my husband and I have been doing this for six years, maybe seven years. What's this year's? And, uh, this year's word is expand, which we took to a whole new level when we decided to like literally expand our yard into the entire country. <laughs> <laughs> we expanded the team. We expand, we've just expanded the vision. I mean, so many different things. And, uh, I, I am not a hundred percent dead set on our 2021, my 2021 word yet, but I, do know that I probably will lean into the plan is no plan. And with this new life, that kind of is our intention is to kind of just go with the flow and uh, surrender to what ends up happening and, and surrender to what's happening for us and surrender to the people that we meet and the direction that we take. Now, I know 100% that I am pivoting for sure in my business. I'm not 100% where yet. And what we're doing is we're intentionally creating a lot of space in our life right now where I had to do a lot of work on my ego. Um, the business structure for 2021 is going to be quite similar to 2020. Not quite a lather, rinse, repeat, but almost a lather, rinse, repeat with someone who has doubled her business over and over every year. And someone who I actually retired my husband from his corporate job this summer and he came into our, now it's our company as a, as a family business. That's really special. Congratulations. Um, Yeah, it is. And so that's, we're about a month into that with him being in the business. And so a lot of ego work around how could I, how could I have him come into the business and me not double it again or yet triple it? Who am I if I don't consistently double? How can I, how can I replicate the same year over? How am I worthy? How am I a good, who's going to want to work with me if I'm just doing the consistent same amount again, financially, right? So the last couple of months have been a lot of ego work for me to realize that, first of all, it's not a lather, rinse, repeat, because I'm constantly evolving. And we are throwing some new programs and courses in, but it really is kind of a, a, we're kind of on a cycle this year of repeating so that we can have more space. 
the space that we're intentionally creating is not to have time off. It's yes, it's for more play to open creative portals because I know that when I have more time to play and more time off and more inspiration traveling the country meeting new people seeing new environments I come up with new ideas I'm a visionary and I'm a creative so I'm constantly when I'm stimulated I'm constantly thinking up new things I've completely surrendered to the idea of what it might be and I have no idea what industry it's going to be in I know that it's not going to be aligned with business coaching um, wow. and I'm just very yeah I'm very very open to all of that so really just kind of playing with that I read in a book back in August, there was a statement about the word whatever. It was a whole explanation behind the word whatever. And that was really resonating with me. It was kind of like surrender, like whatever will be. Mm -hmm. Um, So no plan is no, you know, the plan is no plan, whatever surrender. That's kind of what I'm leaning into for 2021. Um, I love it. But I will tell you that we're going through a rebrand right now and I'm really excited about it. And we got the official trademark yesterday. So I can share with you. You'll be, you'll be the first person to know. No one actually knows this. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready for it. Bring it. Okay. So we're rebranding the entire umbrella of the business so that I'm not as much the face of it anymore. It's going to be its own standalone brand. And then underneath it, we'll have the different courses and merchandise apparel, et cetera. And so the new business name is called the Digital Business Evolution. Love it. Yeah. Digital Business Evolution. Yeah. We'll keep in power. Our second program now is Elevate. And then we have Expand. And so those are going to be our three different proprietary kind of courses and the E in evolution and all the programs has a plus sign after it. So it's E plus. I like that. And the concept here is in school, you can get an A, B, C, D, or an F, but they skipped the grade E. Why did (laughs) real like weird, right? So why did they skip the E? They skipped the E because entrepreneurs deserve their own grade. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So we're playing with E plus being the new A plus. And so uh, I'm changing the grading system. We're disrupting education and the way people teach and learn. That right there is going to cause ripple effect. Mark my words. Yes. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that with me. I want to ask you real quick. Thank you for letting me. (laughs) Absolutely. Before you mentioned ego, and I just yeah. want to ask, this is a little bit of a weird question, but for your husband, did he, did he have an ego in terms of like leaving his work and then kind of going with you, even though like Jess Glazer is the focal point? Is that a weird question or you know what I'm trying to say? Not a weird, yeah, not a weird question at all. He, yeah, for sure. It's something that we talk about often. It's something he's still going through. I mean, for him, 37 years of conditioning with, you know, being the breadwinner and going to work every day. And this is what we do. And we grind and we, you know, for years he was commuting and this is just the norm. Um, and we're very much going against the grain right now. And so he's done a lot of, yeah, he's had to do a lot of work just around coming into the business and mine becoming ours and him, you know, leaving his job that he, he's worked his way up in corporate 11, 12 years. And he's, That's awesome. He, he got the job that he always wanted and then he left, you know, so how crazy is that? And what does that look like? And just kind of shifting his own mindset from if I'm working this hard for another company, imagine if I did that for our company yeah. and what that would look like for legacy, legacy impact, legacy wealth. Sure. We're learning how to work together right now in a different capacity. We're learning how to go from work to spouse and, and those two different types of relationships. And, you know, Glazer is my, my maiden name. That's not even my married name. Oh, so really? Yeah. Yeah. My married name is DeRose. Beautiful name, Jessica DeRose. But um, I had a successful business before before getting married, before so getting engaged. And I just, yeah, I, I was kind of already known in as Glazer. So we've always just left it at that. But yeah, there's definitely a lot of, and he's very open about it. And I'm very proud of him. And I'm just, I'm inspired by him every day and, and his ability to 
support me in every way when I first left my job as a teacher, you know, and he supported that emotionally, but also he was carrying the weight financially for me when we switched um, to be able to support that dream to grow this thing that I've grown. And now he's coming back in again. And now I get to support him and him making decisions that only light him up and make him happy and him getting to build what he wants to build and uh, um, his own side hustle. And yeah, so it's just, it's such a beautiful gift for me to give that back to him. That's awesome. That's so special. And thank you for sharing that. I could talk to you all day. This has been unbelievable. Really special. I I feel a great connection. And it's so great to speak to someone that literally is so relatable on so many levels. For the audience that watch you, for my audience, that may be a little bit different than yours, where do you hang out the most? Where can they find you? Yeah, come on over to Instagram. That's where I am most often at jess.glazer, G-L-A-Z-E-R. Please slide into my DMs. Let me know that you came from Craig's podcast. Um, I, I want to talk to you, ask me questions. I love building relationships. So please, please, please. Otherwise, you know, I have a website, jessglazer.com. The new website will be up and running soon. Keep your eyes peeled for digital business evolution. It is up on Instagram. I took the page last night. I love it. Jess, yeah. I just want to let you know that you are the definition of perseverance, grit, heart from your journey of overcoming personal struggles, leaving your job, unsure of your next move and pursuing and going all in on your passion, leaving no stone unturned and crushing it right now. I could personally guarantee you that your best is yet to come. You're someone I admire, I appreciate, I call a role model, and for all young kids coming up today, you're a dream chaser and you're a dream conqueror, and you're helping everybody right now, anyone that has an opportunity to see what you're up to, you're the prime example of grit, and and just go for it, and learn, and don't take no personally and just keep striving and keep reaching for the stars. And I absolutely love that about you. And I'm so grateful that we got to connect here today. Craig, thank you so much for having me and those beautiful words that I am keeping. Those are, those are, thank you so much. I mean, all of them. Appreciate you. Please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and follow me on Instagram at Craig Siegel underscore CLS the YouTube channel, Craig Siegel, and our website, CultivateLastingSymphony.com, where you could sign up for our email blast with all free trainings on all of our content. The best is yet to come.